want to pick back up here, and we are going to close this series out. If you are just coming in and visiting with us for the first time, um, there's no way I could ever go back, and I'm probably going to cause, create some questions for you today again. But uh, we do have a podcast. You can go back and listen to the beginning of this series, which really began four weeks ago, I think. might have been three. And you can hear some of the, maybe the questions you get today will probably be answered during those. But I've got to be uh, right straight to the point today to really send you out. The subject is on miracles. And uh, it's a subject that, uh, uh, that some believe that God's done away with doing miracles. Uh, some believe that miracles are out in the future and you never know when they're going to happen. And uh, some believe that, um, you know, it's a lot in your control, the miracle that you have. And uh, that's not God. Uh, God does the miracle, but there are some things that we do that bring miracles to pass in our life. And before I kind of walk into some of those things today, let me just define for you again what the scriptures calls the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. You can see all of these in First Corinthians chapter 12, I believe it is. But you see these gifts that are given to the body of Christ. They come through men at times. They come through you just sitting in a service. And, and we've seen over the past few weeks that uh, people sitting in service never followed through with some of the formality of hands being laid on them by an elder of the church or anybody just sitting in service hearing the word. Supernatural divine healing happened in their life. We've had people that weren't able to move their hands, couldn't ever, it's hard for me to do it actually, couldn't even hold up their fingers and do the number three, that for years been able to do that. Uh, sciatic nerves completely healed, and if you've ever had dealings with that, you know that's a pain in the what? You know, it's a pain. And uh, back pain, knees, things going on, hearts that were out of rhythm, that have been lined up, that are, I mean, we've got the pictures to prove that. So God's doing what He said He would do, I just think that we are kind of limiting how much He wants to do. And he really wants to be liberal with his goodness. And how much would his goodness be seen in you getting divinely healed from something you've been dealing with for years? And the reason I say that is because uh, we, we really believe that, um, that not just your basic breakthrough every day. Come on, you can do that on your own to some extent. You know what I mean? You can go driving down the road and believe God for angels to watch over you. That's that kind of easy in one sense. But if you've got uh, the big C word, uh, we hate to put a big C on it, but we'll call it with a little C, cancer or disease or something that's inoperable, uh, something that's uh, uh, impossible in your sight. Maybe it's a marriage restoration. Maybe it's your kids are living like the devil and you want them saved and born again. You want them to love God. All but it's impossible. Impossible means you can't do nothing about it. Impossible is one that's too big for you. But God's really given us some direction in how to deal with the impossible because he says that even the impossible is possible to him that will believe. All right? But let me define these things for you real quick. And I've got some people that are going to help me here in just a few minutes to point a couple things out to you. But the gifts of healings. You can see these in chapter 12 of Corinthians. Manifestations of the power of God in the sphere of disease. That's the definition of that. So God, what that means is God wants to heal disease that it's impossible. This is manifestations of the power of God in the sphere of disease. Working of miracles. If you look at that term in the scriptures, here's what it means. Supernatural manifestations of the power of God that alters. Everybody say alters. That means turns it around. Suspends or in some other way controls, controls the laws of nature. I want to pick up where we left off last week to some extent and read this one scripture to you. 
And then I'll give you one statement, and I'm going to have some helpers here. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to as external, superficial customs. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude. Ideals would be having an image of how God sees you, not how people try to define you. Now, how society sees you, how God sees you, okay? It says, and it's new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves. Actually, I love this. It says, transformed by the change of the entire renewal of your mind. Look at somebody and say, you got a lot of work, brother. Or sister. Now, if you're first time here, you just freak them out. So, uh, we, we love you. I'm sorry to do that, but... Uh, it says here, so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight. Write this statement down again. We said this last week. And I've added a couple words to it. And I was told that I went too fast last week and that I um, didn't have time to write it down. And I don't care. Because we have podcasts www.coastalfamilychurch.com you can go there and you can hear it I just I need to be a good steward of your time I proved that first service I went longer than I should and um, so just listen to it one time and we'll get it from there where there is no mental image remember the word ideal where there is no mental image or awareness of how God sees me my faith will be limited to the natural possibility of human reasonings and distractions around me One more time. Where there is no mental image or awareness of how God sees me, my faith will be limited to the natural possibility of human reasoning and the distractions around me. One of the greatest things that affects my choices and my faith, guys, are distractions and what I'm aware of. And I've asked some people to help me. I'm going to have my first one come on up here. And I want to point a couple things out that your environment around you can really determine... What your faith is thinking about. Anybody ever heard the song Pontoon? I would love right now, instead of be sitting here in front of you, be out there on a pontoon boat right now. And I want to ask my second person to come up real quick. Can you hear it? All my guys, NFL, yeah, come on now. I'm wanting to dance with the pontoon. I want to go play the sports right now. Where's my third person? Come on. Come on, you 80s folks. Everybody's working. Come on. Working for what? The weekend. When you put all of this in one package, man, can you hear one song? Life has a way, if you're trying to hear me and you're trying to hear all of this, life has a way of bringing a lot of different distractions into it. Now listen to me. Individually, it's not wrong. Individually, it's not wrong. Individually, it's not wrong. Matter of fact, they're not wrong at all. But when you put them all together, there is an opportunity that you might miss out on the very thing 
that God's wanting to do in your life actually starting to drive me nuts right now. I can't even think. One of the biggest things that will affect your faith and receiving a miracle from God will be the distractions of life. What I want to do today, listen to me, for the next 35, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, don't you just love that song? You want to stay right there? Why is that so sweet and peaceful to you right now? Because you just shut the world out. And I want to take you to a place in the next 35, 45 minutes, and I want to help you shut the world out so that you can receive your miracle. So if you've got a cell phone, put that thing on mute right now. You don't need to answer that text right now. It's not going to hurt. They're going to be okay. If you've got a phone, hold it up for me. Let me see it. Now, if you're taking notes, if you're reading your Bible on it, that's all right. But if you're trying to fear to find, answer texts from yesterday during this message, listen, you just might find out that you missed the very miracle that God wants to do in your life because you didn't hear what he was saying to you. So many times, guys, I don't want to make it about church. I don't want to make it about any of those things. But I do want to make it about the fact that God is looking to talk to His people. I don't know how to shut all this off. God is looking to talk to people. But one of the greatest things that's happening in the lives of people from receiving anything from God is the life that we're having to live. You've got to live in this life, and it takes a little bit of work to discipline yourself to be able to shut it down. And listen to me, in the realm of supernatural miracles, I'm not talking about day-to-day. We live day-to-day. You can't help day-to-day. Your kids, they're okay. If you've got kids, in, they're in the best nursery, the best children's department, I believe that there is right now, around. They're doing great there. They're, these folks are all background checks, so you ain't got to worry about all of that. You Let your kids go for the next few minutes, okay? You need to hear from God. And God wants to do supernatural mighty things in the lives of every single one of us in this room if we open up our heart to hear what He's saying. Now let me read this last scripture to you in the realm of this side here. Mark chapter 4 verse 19. I didn't read this last uh, service. The cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight of false glamour and deceitfulness of riches... And the craving and passionate desire of other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word. And then the word that you hear becomes, comes fruitless. So, listen, I, I see people kind of do it all the time. And pastors usually like to meddle a little bit. But one time in church a month is not going to help you guys. More focus is on the outward than the inward. And the inward is where supernatural starts. And that's actually where God talks to you is in here. I don't want to make it about church attendance as much as I want to make it as what's priority in life. Because as you can go to all the sports games and all the movies and all of those things. That's just part of living life and enjoying life. And it's great for our kids to learn how to be functioning in team and all of those things. But are those things more of a distraction from what I need to hear from God? Again, we're talking about something supernatural. I'm talking about a miracle. You need a breakthrough. You need an overcoming experience. You need to be done with something because it's robbing from you. It's stealing from you. It's taking your money. It's taking joy out of your home. There's no peace in home. Do you see what I mean? This is a little bit bigger than just an everyday thing. 
And I'm never the pastor that will meddle into your life of experience and, the, and what you have going on in life. I just ask while you're there, are you, are you aware of God while you're there? Because if you're aware of Him there, what happens is He can talk to you there. And if you're aware of Him there, you might just see it as a mission instead of just a place of fun. And when we find out that, that there are times that these things take away from us, Jesus said it, we read this scripture, we closed with this scripture last week in Mark chapter 9. He said, remember they brought the son to the disciples and wanted him to be healed? And the, and the disciples couldn't do anything about it? They weren't able to lay him, and then they came to Jesus, and Jesus said, oh faithless generation... In other words, frustrated to why they couldn't. They'd actually already done some of this. But for some reason, this one moment, they couldn't do it. And, and Jesus said, oh, faithless generation. And the word faithless generation means disconnected, unbelieving, connected to life. He says, you disconnected, unbelieving, and connected to life. In other words, if you go backwards in that, connected to life more than him gets you unbelieving and gets you disconnected. And so what happened is, if you follow the rest of the story, we ended on this note, because it propels us to where we're going today. We ended on this note, and we said that, that uh, after all of the miracle had happened, and the, the kid was healed, and all of that was going, the disciples had some good questions, just like we would have. And they got alone to the side. Let's just say we're in that moment right now. We're in this closed moment with Jesus, just you and me right now. And we're asking Jesus, why is this not working? They said, Jesus, why didn't it work for us? And we're sitting here, why is this impossible thing not being taken away from me, God? And he answered them and he said, there are some things that only come out by prayer. One translation adds the word fasting, but that's really not in the original. But we can use it as something that's very beneficial. He says, by prayer. Jesus did two things when he said prayer. He told them exactly what would solve it and he told them exactly what had happened. What does prayer do? Prayer is me communing with God, talking with God. And what does prayer, what does talking to God do for you? Connects you back to Him. So in the same sense, He corrected them. In the same sense, He had mercy on them. In the same sense, He loved them up. And He says, look, just make the adjustment. Remove these distractions. Connect back to me now. And let's talk about it and make sure that next time you're more aware of where I am in your life. And maybe, you just maybe, which you see them do it in the book of Acts, when you lay hands on people, you'll see them be healed. Do you see what I'm saying? So here's what I want you to do. Say this with me. As of right now, for the next 30 minutes, there's nothing I'm thinking about except what the Word of God is saying to me. And here's why. I'm going to give you three things. If you want to receive a miracle, supernatural miracle, something that's impossible, something that needs to be destroyed in your life, it, will, it comes this way. There's a pattern in the scripture that will show you that. Number one, most important step to receiving that supernatural in your life, you have to hear from God. Now, I'm not talking about just hearing from God because I read the scripture one day. You have to have what I call a rhema, a rhema specific word spoke to your heart because when that word is spoken, what, what you find out is that there is something that you can put your faith onto and now you're not trusting your own ability. It would be like this. I can, when you look at the scripture, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten seventeen. <clears throat> so if I'm going to need... And the Bible says, I live by faith. The Bible says, I overcome by my faith. 
The Bible says that it's my faith that helps me conquer the world and the things that are not working out. And he says that that faith that is needed to conquer the impossible comes from hearing and hearing of the Word. And I studied that scripture out a little bit more last night for the first time in a long time because you just mental ascent on it, I guess. But I wanted to know a little more about it. And I dug into about four or five different steps beyond into original writings of what it should say. And I found this one word that was really cool. When he says you need to hear and hear the word, he says we want to have continual uh, grazings of the word of God. Grazing like a cow going on to the field, eating, his, eating whatever. <laughs> a horse pulling up to a big hail bell and just eating and eating and eating and eating. He's saying, if you're going to want faith to deal with the impossible in your life, you will need some grazing to take place. But not just grazing, you'll need to have a specific word, divine word spoken into your heart that you can stand on. And it might not just be what you're actually thinking it should be. I can remember when my daughter was walking through some things in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Very challenging, personal things that we were walking through as a family, just like you guys. Kids seem to get a mind of their own sometimes. And, and they have their own way of will, of doing things. And this is nothing that's not known. I've said this before. But while she was there, it was very impossible because she's strong-willed just like her mother. And you couldn't tell her anything. And you can't tell them anything all the time. So, so while she was there, I'm, I'm just telling you, I had all the right words to say. I had all the right things to say. I knew how to believe and stand in faith. And it wasn't working. This went on for months. And what happened was, one day here in the church, I got a word from the Lord. Specific word. And basically, the, this will come to naught. Uh, I don't even remember what it was now. But it was so strong, I didn't hear it the first time because I was distracted. And, and it spoke to me three very specific times. And in that moment, it became the very word that as it got worse, as it got more ugly, she wasn't in sin, nothing like that. But just making choices. There's two things that God's not going to control in your life. Number one is your will, which is your will of choice. You make those. Listen, He's not going to make you read the Scriptures. He's not going to make you, which we'll get there in a minute and I'll meddle a little bit. He's not going to make you get healed. He's already done everything to heal you. We've already, listen, again, that question may stir up question within you, but you have to go back to the podcast. We've already dealt with the now and how that now is the time of healing, not down the road. He saved you from sin and He saved you. The word is Greek word sozo. And when you look at the word sozo, it's not just salvation. He saved you from your sin. He saved you from sickness and disease. And He saved you from poverty and lack. Now, not when you go to heaven. So we have to ask some of those questions in that right. But as we got that word and as that word was spoken to my heart, number one, you will have to hear from God because it will be the one thing that will put you out on the water, <clears throat> per se, that will keep you afloat. Number two, I'm giving you the answer and the formula and I'm going to read two uh, kind of stories here in just a minute that will help you see it a little better, but I want to make sure you get the secret sauce. And it'll work every time. It'll work every time if you remove distractions. You set yourself to hear a word from the Lord. Because He's wanting to talk to you. The scripture says this, that my sheep know my voice. 
That means you can hear it. That means it's not... If you've ever had someone say to you that, I just can't hear God, I just... I don't know if He's ever talking to me, that tells me they are distracted enough they've not ever been taught how to hear God or they're distracted enough to not hear from God. Ways that you can hear from God. Number one... Well, I don't want to say one. I don't want to put them in order of importance. It's what's important to you. Is your choice of will to put yourself in position to hear just might be sitting in a church service. It might be turning off the radio and putting something on instead of working for the weekend. And you put something on that's going to actually speak to your spirit and help you feed what you need in your life. If you are facing impossibility, you need something that's going to help you come out of impossibility. Not the newscast all day. You listen to the newscast enough throughout the day, listen to me, the, the, the number one motivator of the enemy today is to deceive you and get you into fear, which is the number one stealer of faith. And get you afraid of even walking outside or doing something when God pushes you to do something a little bit more. Fear will keep you from doing that. He's ultimately trying to rob you from the very life that He wants you to live in. You've got to hear from Him. Maybe it's from a song, maybe it's from a word, maybe it's from a friend, maybe it's in a small group, maybe it's uh, uh, in our growth track, maybe it's the day of baptism for you when you come and get water baptized in, in just about two weeks. Maybe that's your day when you the Lord speaks to you and you have an epiphany when you come up out of the water. I don't care how it happens, you need to have a word from the Lord if you want to have faith to stand on something. And they're going to keep you from it. Number two, you ready? Number two, if I want a miracle in my life, I have to go beyond that place where I've just heard a word of Lord and I've got to move into action. Faith without works is dead, the Scripture says in James chapter 2. Matter of fact, he says that, that if there is no works, there is nothing to... Testing. Who? Man, I hate distractions. Move you into action. If there's no action to follow what the Word of the Lord spoke to you, then you're still waiting for it to come to pass. And you'll never see it come to pass. Your miracle will not happen. Number three, God will do the miracle. But number one, you have to hear the Word from the Lord. Number two, you have to move into action. Let me give you an example. Again, we've talked about this all quite a bit. You'll have to go listen to it later. But God is in the now and the absolute. This is now. I have done this. Uh, he that dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow. No evil will come nigh his dwelling. Go all the way down to the very last verse, verse 16. And the scripture says this. With long life I will satisfy him and show him sozo. Salvation. Long life until I'm satisfied. If you're not satisfied, don't check out yet. Paul says, I have a desire between two choices, one to depart and one to go be with him. He says, it's more needful for me to stay with you now. God's not going to make the choice for you. You can live a long life. Now, that doesn't mean you go out there and eat ho-hos and bonbons all day and live just like you want. There is a lifestyle that comes with Christianity and just living healthy. Let's don't stamp Christian on it. To live long. But if there's no action, let me give you an example. Here would be an action. I'm praying. Oh, no, let me say this. It would be like this. Me coming to Rashid and said, hey, brother, I'm going to the doctor next Tuesday. Will you get an agreement with me for the report that it will be a good report? Sounds good, don't it? And it's so unscriptural, it will kill you. Whew, feel the hush? 
Because faith is not moved by sight. It's moved by what it's persuaded in, in the now and what it believes. When I say, I'm, but will you get in agreement with me for the report? I'm waiting to hear the report before I believe that I'm healed. Move into action. Now that's a good start, but you need to have somebody come alongside you and maybe give you a little bit more of a boot and say, look, if we wait till then, you might be dead by then. The Scripture says, by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are the healed. The Scripture says in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, that He carried sickness and pain away in His body so you don't have to have it. And if we're still carrying it, that means He's not picked it up. You've not given it to Him. And all along, He's wanting to step in and do miracle in your life. Let me give you a couple examples real quick. Go with me to Luke. Everybody okay? Still with me? Mad at me a little bit? I hope so. I want to stir you up. Luke chapter 5. There's multiple examples of this. Of course, we don't have time. I've got a special guest. I want you to hear his story here in just a few minutes. How these three things worked in his life. He heard from God. He moved into action, and God did the miracle. Listen, you don't have to do the miracle. You're not trying to make God move. (laughs) He's already moved 2,000 years ago. He dealt with your sin, and He dealt with your sickness, and He brought grace into this earth to give you the power to move into action. Luke chapter 5. I need to move through this pretty quickly here. Here's a paralyzed man, impossible, devilish. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea and as well as Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. One translation says the Lord's healing power was present to heal. And I've said to you the past three, four weeks, we need to change the way we think when it comes, transform our thinking, that we need to come in and bring in the presence of God. No, you don't. The presence of God is always here. You just need to become aware of that presence that is there. And that's exactly what happened here. These men saw and it moved on forward. They came carrying a paralyzed man on a, on a mat. They dropped him through the ceiling, tried to get to Jesus because they couldn't get in. Jesus saw their faith, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. And that stirred up a whole bunch right there. But what Jesus made very clear to us right now, that there is no difference, no separation in sin and sickness. They're one and the same. He dealt with them all. But because religion stepped in and said, Who are you to say those kinds of things? Religion stepped in and contradicted it. Jesus, just to prove the point of who he was... Showed the power that was available. Here we go. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this? So that I can prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Everybody say, said. This young man is getting ready to get a word from the Lord. Until then, there's no faith. All he said is he saw their faith in him coming through the roof. But until then, he was waiting to hear something from Jesus. And look what Jesus said. Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. 
When he said, and he said, stand up, pick your, up your mat and go home, did Jesus tell him he was healed? No, he did not. Did Jesus say that, I've taken care of all of it, you'll never be sick another day in your life? Did Jesus lay hands on him? No, he did not. All he did was give him a word, and now the man puts faith in the word, and look what the man did. You've got to hear a word from the Lord, and then you move into action. Listen to how quick he moved into action. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. And God did the miraculous. Heard a word, moved into action, did something with what he was told. Didn't wait, didn't say it's not time, didn't say that, you know what, hey, I don't feel like it today. This man was paralyzed. One more. Go to John. John chapter 4. Verse 46. Everybody okay? You guys got like extremely quiet all of a sudden. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Two different places, two different locations. He wanted Jesus to come pray and lay hands on him. So the whole time this man's mindset is, you've got to come to me. You've got to come to me. I heard this is how you do it. So you've got to come to me now and pray for my son. And when you do, I'm hoping that he might be well. And here's what happened. Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Jesus is hitting the same point. He's saying, you're moved by sight and waiting till you see this before you believe this. Same common denominator. He's saying, look, you're, you're, you're because of distractions, because you're caught up in life, now you're looking to see something to believe the very thing. I'm telling you, if you'll connect back up to me, maybe you'll see that I've already done the now. Here's what happens. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Jesus said, go back home and your boy will Did he tell him he was healed? He just said that he's going to live. That's all the man had to stand on. But he had a word from the Lord. And what did he do? He came expecting Jesus to come pray for him. Happens to every pastor. People come expecting, you got to be there. I get it, I understand it. But you got to be there. If you don't come, they're going to die. I don't want that pressure. And here that Jesus says, look, I'm going to deal with your pressure. I'm going to tell you. All I'm going to tell you is you go home and your boy will live. And the man, he's got to make a choice right here. Once he makes that choice, he moved into action, moved forward, and it says he started to go home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants came, met him with the news that the son was alive and well. He asked him, hey, when? When the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday at noon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared, then the father realized that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. 
so caught up with the distraction that, listen, my boy might be dead when I get home. Because Jesus didn't come pray for him. And you know what? When he, if he didn't, if I get there and my boy's dead, you can imagine what I'm going to go tell Jesus. But this man put faith in a word from Jesus, who at that time was not the Messiah. He was a man just like you and I. He put faith in what this man said. He had heard of Jesus and what he was doing and came and pressed and got to that place. He said, look, you just got to come. I love my boy. My boy can't die. And Jesus, I love it, because Jesus did not get in the fret. Oh, no, call the prayer chain and get everybody to pray, and we'll get this taken care of. Now he says, look, just go ahead and start getting home, and your boy will well, because he's in the now, he's in the absolute. Jesus was the best example of this, because he says, what I hear from my Father is what I do. And I don't do anything unless my Father has told me. So we can actually say that when Jesus told this man, he heard from the Father, and he did what the Father said, that the Father says, you tell that boy to go home. And his boy would live. The reason I put all of this into this same place and package, guys, I want you to understand something, that a lot of times what's happening is we are coming to this place where we have so many distractions in our life. And God's getting a bad rap for it. Because you need Him in your life. You need supernatural. You need that emotional restoration. You need that, um, that, that cancer to be destroyed. They ain't giving you no hope. They're giving you six months. And so you go to the next report hoping that they'll tell you something different. And you're putting faith in the report. Putting faith in the maybe the outside circumstances. And all along Jesus is saying, all along the Father is saying, Look, I want to do a miracle in your life. I want to tell, show you that it's already done now. I want to take care of your life now. I want to do supernatural now. All you want to do, all I'm asking you to do is set yourself aside. And I'll tell you exactly what the next step for you to do is. And then when you hear it, you move into action. You put action to your faith so that faith won't fall on dead ground and be stolen from you. And let's just make the devil mad and watch me do what I do. And I am convinced through the Scriptures that it is more about our awareness of what He's already done through the eyes of grace and His healing power than it is trying to make Him do something. You can't make him do anything. You've got to control your choices. Grow your faith. Move into action after you've got that word from the Lord. And that's how you get miracles. It will never change. It will always be the same. One more example, Peter. What did Peter do? Remember Peter walking on the water? They were in a storm. A big storm. And I love, if you read a couple chapters before, the chapter before, Jesus says, he was on the shore, and he says, let's go on to the other side. He'd already decreed what he was going to do. Here he walks up to this boat in the middle of this storm, and they said, Jesus, is that you? And they thought it was a ghost. He says, yeah, it's me. Peter said, Messiah, if it's you, bid me to come. Couldn't it be cool if we were like Peter, most of us? And I love what Jesus said. He gave him one word. And he stepped out on the one word, come. And that's all he needed to get out. It's amazing how much that word has so much power because all of a sudden he forgot about everything going on around him. And he stepped out. Started to walk. You better have a word before you walk on the water. 
when he got out, what happened to him? If you know the story. When he got his eyes off of the one he was connected to, the distractions showed up again. And he began to sink. And what I love about this story is the mercy of God. Because <laughs> he didn't beat Peter up and say, Why'd you get your eyes off of me? fact he reached his hand down and they got back in the boat together and the whole storm ceased then